From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for Thursday, December 13th, 2018. December 13th, it means we are 18 days away from Ryan Seacrest being in a really cold Times Square and 18 days from the moment he counts us down to midnight and 18 days until the biggest rules of golf change in over 30 years happens which means we need to talk about the rule changes happening to the game of golf, which means, and my thanks to the USGA for this, we have brought on the dude, um, the the uh, gentleman whose job title literally is Manager of Rules Outreach and Programming and uh, for the Rules Modernization Project. Quote, he serves as the project manager for the Rules Modernization Initiative. Joe Foley, if that's not the perfect intro to you, I don't know what is. <laughs> I appreciate it, Jeremy. Yeah, I'm excited. It's been a it's been a crazy couple years, but uh, you're right. We are so close, and we're we're super excited to get get this information out so people can start playing by the new rules um, in a few weeks' time. All right. So first of all, before we get to to into the new rules, a super quick housekeeping question in regards to what happened to Tiger Woods in the Bahamas. Um, I'm not going to talk about the double hit because that's a whole separate issue. The the thing that has confused some people is that when you invoked the high-definition television decision, and when that was used, 34-3 I believe it is, when that rule was invoked, that basically the only way you could see that Tiger violated the double hit rule was because of high-definition slow-motion television, it immediately absolved him of any possible ruling. There were some people who said Tiger should have said, look, that's nice, I don't care, please give me the penalty, I don't want to deal with any PR crap, just, you know, please give me the penalty, let's get over with it. I double-hit it, even if I never felt it, it shows it clearly, let's just double-hit it, you know, thank you, good night. But I believe, from what I've been told and from what I've always believed, once that rule is invoked, the player loses control, and it's up to you guys and, and the rules committee, and whether they want to be penalized or not, they cannot. Is that correct? It is. I mean, you're, the, Tiger was in a tough spot, right? Because, you, you, I mean, people wanted to guilt him, quote-unquote, into the penalty. Yeah. But, uh, but the way the rules work now is if, if through his naked eye, uh, he was not able to tell or know that he 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 committed a penalty. Then then he's not going to incur the penalty. It's, it's essentially as if the, the penalty didn't even happen. Right. Um, yeah. And, and so it, I get I get the awkwardness a little bit around it. I, I think the one thing other thing I'd say too is that you you have situations where players aren't in front of the camera and, and there's no video evidence to support uh, a penalty or, or support no penalty. Um, it, Tiger happens to be the most you know, viewed and, and shot com, uh, 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 player out there right? right. So in terms of vi- video. So it, it would be unfair to hold him accountable when, you know, he, he didn't know he committed a penalty with his naked eye um, and, and have others others not have that same standard um, because they're not on TV as much. So that, that's one of the reasons for the rule. But, but again, Tiger, Tiger had no, really had no opportunity to apply the penalty at all. Right, okay, thank you for uh, 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 clarifying that because there were many Twitter arguments about this and I am glad we finally um, have this, um, you know, um, uh, fully, uh, uh, full, excuse me, fully clarified and now we can move on. Okay, speaking of the double hit, the, the number one rule change that I'm completely 
confused by is when you initially rolled out the modernization rules, the double hit was not a part of it. You then had this huge open comment public period, uh, sorry, open public comment period. And one of the big things that you heard was people wanted the double hit penalty to be removed and, and you guys agreed and come January 1st, if a player double hits it with no intention of doing so, it is no longer a penalty. What was the thought process behind that rule change? So initially, we, we had a couple of different arguments, I would say, at the committee level where we weren't sure if there were opportunities, and I should say debate rather than argument, but we weren't sure necessarily if someone could ever do it to gain an advantage. Um, it, it doesn't happen very often, but perhaps someone can, can do it in a way where they are, are gaining an advantage. That was a question that was asked at the committee level, and so when we released when we released the proposed changes back in March of 2017, it was an ongoing discussion, um, and we weren't prepared to eliminate the penalty quite quite yet. Um, but further conversation, further feedback, just confirmed the fact that it doesn't happen very often. Usually you're often, you know, most of the time in a situation where you're in a, in a worse state because you've double hit it, it, it typically doesn't go very far, doesn't go where you want it to go. So why are we going to penalize someone for that? They've made one stroke. They've tried their best. Let's just you know, let's just apply the stroke that they made and eliminate the penalty that, um, it, it almost was like, it was almost like we're, we're, we're penalizing them for something that they're not getting an advantage for and, and they're not really, um, you, know, you know, they're not likely in a better situation because of it. So uh, we felt that based on feedback and, and continued conversation that it was, it was time to eliminate the penalty. That makes sense to me. All right, so for the rest of this now, we're just gonna roll through the rule changes and you're going to explain them. Um, I may have a question or two related to them, but we'll just roll right through this. We're talking to USJ official Joe Foley about the major rules changes coming to both the U.S. and around the world via the RNA come January 1st at 12.01 a.m. in those countries. The first is fixing spike marks on the green. Um, for years, you've been able to fix ball marks. Now you can fix spike marks. A, thought process behind that, and B, um, is there anything now that you cannot fix on the green and what should players know when they um, walk up to a green and see all sorts of things they would like to fix? Yeah, so this is, a, this is an interesting one. I mean, we, I think, had a uh, sort of a, uh, we had a bias towards some damage on the green um, over, over other damage on the green um, in, in the past and even in the current rules. What we're saying with this new rule is, look, you know, you're trying to keep the ball on the green, right? You're as a, as a as making a stroke from the green. You're trying to keep it on the green. You're trying to you know roll it as as, uh, uh, as best you can to, to get it in the hole. And why you know why should we let you repair some damage, but other damage on there that might be in your way or impede impede that shot? Uh, we aren't going to let you repair. Um, let let's just sort of treat all damage as the same as the same and, and let people repair it. So the, the rule change here is that in the past you were really only able to repair old hole plugs and really you know ball marks that were made on the green um, by you know by balls flying onto the green. Now we're saying pretty much any damage made by by people, by animals, by by maintenance practices you can repair. The only thing you really can't repair um, is, is natural damage that occurs. So uh, you know if if there's imperfections that are on the green just because that's that's where they are and, and that and that, that's how the grass is growing then you know you really you really shouldn't repair that but pretty much any damage that's been caused by someone or something go ahead and repair it 
Um, why treat someone who has a you know ball mark in between your, your the ball and the hole different than someone who has a spike mark in between their ball and the hole? Um, but both players, you know, philosophically should be able to repair that damage. For those out there who who enjoy watching the game, there was some complaint after the after this was announced that that professionals may try to use or create a ramp with this rule for their putts, which made no sense to me, first of all, but that's a side story. Second of all, but 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 to that point in in a different way, are you concerned that professionals may try to take advantage of this and, and create some kind of um, for lack of a better term, uh, unusual way to get their ball in the hole, abnormal condition, anything like that with this rule? Yeah, so we've heard that. I mean, there's been some people who have been concerned about that. That's been a point of feedback. I think the the thing we would say to that is there's really there's another rule that deals with that. There's a rule that, that prevents someone from improving their line, whether they're on the green or whether they're anywhere else on the golf course. So... Um, you know, look, if, if someone starts to abuse it and, and, you know, the committee or other players feel that the player's not repairing damage, they're just simply repairing something that's not there or creating an advantage or improvement, then, then we're going to have a problem and there's going to be a rule that deals with it. So, um, look, I think there might be, you know, you might get someone here or there that's, that abuses it, but I, by and large, folks should, should be focused on repairing damage and beyond repairing damage, they really can't do anything else on the green. Um, Time will tell. I mean, we'll find out uh, how people apply the rule, but but there will be a rule to, to handle those folks who who abuse this privilege. Talking to Joe Foley from the USGA. All right, as we move from the green backwards, you guys have totally renamed some things. Um, as specifically has oh 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 sorry before that putting with the flag stick in. Um, mm-hmm. to to me this was a case of. All of us at the recreational level have done this before, especially when we've been playing alone late in the day and trying to, you know, hurry around and play as much golf as possible. Um, I, I just, to me, this seemed like an obvious rules change. Um, is that the way that it played out in in the meetings? Was this obvious to you guys? Yeah, I think the, the primary reason for the change is, is is pace of play. Now we don't know how it'll impact place of play and that I don't think rounds will become much quicker because people can do this but right. time will tell again on that but the, the big change will be be for pace of play reasons you got a player who's on the front of the green maybe it's you know someone who he's playing with or she's playing with hasn't hasn't made it on the green yet um, maybe walking up to the ball after a bunker shot or some, uh, another place near the green and, and they're sort of sitting there or standing there I should say and they're they're thinking about whether or not they have to go all the way up to the hole pull the flag and then come back to the ball that might take 60 90 seconds if they have a long putt let's just let that player who likely won't be hitting the flex stick anyways play with the flag stick in um, or you know think about short putts right you know two or three footer again not a lot of time but you know sometimes you go up there and you have to you know get the flag put it to the side put it down uh, now just go ahead and tap it in, right? Uh, and then this way, you pick your ball out, out of the hole and you go to the next tee and you don't have to worry about putting the flag stick back in. So um, there'll be some new strategic uh, you know, elements to this. People will now have to make a decision as to whether or not they want to leave the flag stick in. So we've heard a lot of chatter about that. Um, you know, do, do people want to leave it in? Do people want to take it out? Some some folks even on tour have talked about that. Yeah, Bryson DeChambeau being the main one. Yeah, exactly. So 
Um, again, the strategy could, could be, you know, a, a cool thing to see how that all plays out. Um, but again, I think the biggest reason was, was for pace of play. And we'll see. We'll see how that impacts, um, impacts pace next year. And, and just as a side note, I, I think this is going to be a huge help for those professionals and college players and anybody who's in a rain-delayed event and is trying to get in as much holes as darkness in as much holes before the horn blows before darkness and because of the, of the non-dangerous situation rule somebody now can run up putt with the flag stick in not need their caddy finish the hole run to the next tee and hit that tee shot um, which could be essential for especially tour pros trying to finish before the horn blows so just a side note of where i think that rule could be exceedingly helpful um as we now go backwards from the green, you guys have renamed some hazards, penalty areas. You've renamed where you can ground and not ground your club. This is, I think, going to be a huge change for the recreational golfers. So let's walk through this step by step. Are bunkers now considered penalty areas? No, so a good question. We, we in the past, really currently, have, have this umbrella term um, called called a hazard, right? And so you have water hazards under that term, and you also have bunkers. What we've done is we've separated the two. There's a lot of similarities between you know bunkers and now what we're going to call penalty areas, um, but they aren't under this umbrella term. We have a penalty area, which is sort of the 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 opposite, or you could say another area on the golf course besides general area. General area will cover pretty much everything on the golf course except bunkers and except penalty areas, putting green, um, and then the teeing area. Uh, so penalty areas is a new term. Um, you know, people have talked a little bit about the term penalty areas and why, you know, why why use that term as opposed to hazards. We get what hazards mean. Um, I, I think just for simplicity's sake, you know, the general area is a place where you're likely not going to incur a penalty, but the penalty area, um, which again was, was once called a water hazard, is, is a place where you're likely going to take relief for, for a penalty stroke. So that's really the reason behind the term penalty area. Um, and then we can talk, depending on what you, where you want to go with this, Jeremy, we can talk a little bit about the details around penalty areas and bunkers. But general idea is, is, is that the penalty area is, you're right, a new term, um, and, and it's, it's the place where you're likely going to incur a penalty. Okay, so um, I actually like the term penalty area because I think that this is an interesting way to describe native areas in certain uh, places of the country, desert areas, places where golfers can't go because they're a, a um, uh, sorry, can't go for, can't go for in, in uh, excuse me, in environmental concerns, you know, and, and that's why you guys have it labeled as a hazard. It may not be water, but it's, it's something that, that clearly you cannot go in. One quick thing about grounding your club. A, you still cannot ground your club in a bunker, right? Yeah, so what, we, what we've done, and this has created a little bit of confusion, yeah. what we've done is we've said, look, you don't need to worry about grounding your club in a bunker in the places that aren't close to the ball or in sort of gaining any knowledge about what the bunker is going to be like in terms of how it's going to play. It, right now under the current rules, it, there's just really the strict prohibition about grounding your club really at any time. And in the new rules, we're saying, look, there's a couple of places we don't want you to ground the club, but if you accidentally ground your club like 30 yards from your ball and you're not you know, testing the condition of, of the bunker or really gaining an understanding of how your next shot's going to play, then why should we penalize someone? So just for clarity's sake, we, you know, we're, we're going to basically say any, anywhere 
right in front of your ball, right behind the ball, don't ground your club. Um, if you're, you know, if you're taking your club back to play a stroke, um, you know, so on your back swing, don't ground your club. And then, you know, for your practice swing, when you're swinging to take practice sh- uh, swings before your shot, again, let's not let's not ground your club in that situation, um, because again, you're going to gain gain that knowledge uh, of, of how that shot's going to play. So that's the slight change there. Yeah, it's. I I think Stewart was it Stewart sink that incurred the penalty because his ball was in one bunker but he wanted to walk up to the green and like walk off a yardage and he had to walk through a bunker to do it and his club hit the ground while he was in it and that counted as grounding his club in a bunker and got penalized it was some bizarre rule like that um does that sound familiar to you i can't recall that specific one but i mean the way you're describing that where he sort of accidentally did it um again i'm not sure what happened specifically in that instance but yeah if you're describing it correctly you know that's that's right i mean why why should that player incur a penalty and so you'll see that throughout the rules we can probably get to a few more where these accidental actions that take place on the golf course where a player just doesn't really gain any sort of advantage why why penalize right and 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 then as an extension of that i think you've got some people who need it who need to ground something in a bunker when they're walking in it for just you know posture reasons just to stay upright their balance And that now is no longer a penalty, which I think was a penalty previously if you grounded your club in the process of entering a bunker, um, which made no sense to me anyway because these people are just trying to make sure they don't fall down. Um, So I think that's now fixed, which I like. Okay, for a penalty area, but you're not in water. So, for example, if you are outside a bunker within the red line, but you're on grass, if I understand this correctly, you can now ground your club in the grass within the red stake marks or the red paint marks but you can now ground your club in that area if you if you choose to play the shot as it lies you can now ground your club is that correct that's correct yep and and one of the reasons we we did this and i can get in it's, it's more it's more globally when we think about why um you know how penalty areas have changed uh, that that now impact this this other change we, we are going to see uh that there will be more areas on the golf course marked as a penalty area right so uh now that there's no requirement for water to be present in that penalty area committees will have an opportunity to mark you know areas of high grass or areas where balls go frequently um that that weren't in the past, actually, you know, committees weren't actually permitted to to mark those areas as as mm. areas. So the, the changing dynamic of, of what a penalty area is is part of the reason why we are allowing players to ground their club. Because if you think of a, an area on the golf course that a player, you know, today would play, and and it's not going to be considered uh, a penalty area today, in tomorrow or 2019, they might get to an area of high grass where it is now a penalty area. Um, that's you know, the reason for that is a committee might want that player to have a relief option out there without having to go back to the tee or play under another rule, perhaps the ball unplayable rule. So the point is is that you know, you're going to be able to, to ground your club in that area. We want to let players ground their club in that area because you know, they're grounding that, that, their club in that area today. And so we see more areas marked as penalty areas. Um, we just want to be able to ha- have players have that you know, sort of extra um, ability to, to ground their club. And look, they're not gaining, again, they're not gaining a huge advantage by being able to ground your club. It's still going to be a tough shot. Usually when you're playing out of a hazard, it's tough. So why, you know, again, why, why, why not let the player 
uh, ground their club here. They're not they're not gaining an advantage, um, or they're not really understanding the the area as much as you would, let's say, a bunker. We wanted to maintain sort of the sanctity of the bunker before a, a player plays a stroke from a bunker. But but from the penalty area, not you know not a, as big of a deal. Let, let's let a player ground their club and then play their shot. If anyone from the Monmouth County Park System is listening to this, if you can please mark the fescue areas on Charleston Springs North as as penalty areas, that would be greatly appreciated. Thank you very much. <laughs> sorry, I had to give a shout to my normal, uh, sorry to my local golf course who, because they have the perfect scenario for this. I mean, I'm 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 thinking about literally the first hole on the on on the north course. There is fescue all down the right side. That can now be marked as a penalty area. You can treat it, or, or you know, if you find it, you can ground your club. If not, you can take you know a normal you know water quote unquote drop, and and now you're fine. So, thank you uh, for that. Okay, uh, elimination of yellow marked hazards, but they're not really eliminated. So for the people who watch, but for those who play it, elimination of yellow marked hazards still exists. Or, 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 or. Within two club lengths and not have to go all the way back, um, you know, to, to you know, uh, in front of the hazard, I should say, uh, to play a stroke. And so, uh, you know, we're just encouraging committees to, to think about marking more areas as red, give that player a little bit, you know, of an easier option um, without having, you know, that player having to go back or play a really tough shot from there. The other part of this rule, and this gets a little bit into the details and technicalities of the rule, is that we're, we're eliminating the this opposite um, side relief uh as an option for a player, uh, so under the current rules, you can you know use that point on the opposite side that's the same distance from the hole, um, and drop on that other side of a red penalty area. A lot of water has been today's rules, um, and, and that's you know that's been helpful for for some folks in the past. A lot, not a lot of people know about that option, but when you eliminate that that part of the rule, then what it does is it it um, it allows you to mark more areas as as a red penalty area because you know you. you you aren't running the risk that someone's going to hop over the water hazard uh, penalty area in, in the future and get close to the, uh, and then get have, have a shot where they don't have to navigate the the, the, the penalty area um, or have too easy of a shot. Whatever the committee would be concerned about having them jump over the the, the penalty area. So um, only by local rule will someone be able to you know use that opposite side relief um, in, in you know in, in the new rules. Um, so you'll see more red penalties areas out there. Um, and again, you'll you'll um, you, you'll still see yellow once in a while. I mean, the good example is like the 17th hole at the T at TPC Sawgrass. Um, if you made that a red penalty area, uh, now you're going to have people who go into the ha uh, go into the the water. Um, maybe they hit the green and then go into the water on the right. other side, being able to drop on the green or near the green. Um, uh, the, the tour PGA Tour will likely want to keep that the the, the same um, marking as, as a yellow marking. So you, you'll still see a little bit of that out there. Um, just for summary, because there were some, some, some technical issues during that, um, yep. is the yellow rule is, is invoking, is using a yellow rule, a local rule, or a, a, a yellow marked hazard, a local rule, or is that still available, but you guys just are not encouraging it as much? 
Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's going to be just like anything else on the, on the golf course that, that a committee marks. It's up to the committee. So, okay. Um, you know, you don't need to invoke a local rule to use it. Basically, the committee just has to mark the area as yellow because they feel like they want to preserve the, the, the difficulty of that shot. So I gave the example before, the 17th at TPC at Sawgrass, the Island Green. Um, the committee just would choose to mark it red or yellow, and they'll likely continue to choose to mark that, that one. Uh, right. Talking to uh, Joe Foley here from the USGA on teeing it up with Jeremy Schilling. Apologies for those who experience technical difficulties when they listen back to this. Um, there is a new unplayable uh, lie rule in bunkers that I think is going to help a whole bunch of people overseas, especially who are in pot bunkers or people who have buried lies in this country and don't feel like playing it, where you can essentially, um, if I understand it correctly, take the ball out of the bunker, go back on the line between that point and the flag with a two-shot penalty and drop it. Is that correct? It is. I mean, we right now uh, have in the rules the option to take an unplayable from a bunker, but the only way you can get out of the bunker if you take an unplayable is to go back where you played from last. Uh, and sometimes that could be, you know, for pretty far away from the hole, you know, 150, 200 yards away. So um, what we're doing now is we're basically saying, look, it's going to be a lot. It's going to be penal, I mean, to, to get out of the bunker using the unplayable um, uh, ball rule, but but we do we, we will give you an option. So if you have a really, really difficult shot, if you're perhaps you've made a couple of strokes inside the bunker, and, and now you actually don't even have that option to go back uh, to where you played from last outside the bunker, you, you know, you're sort of stuck in the bunker at this point. If you, if you want to uh, come out with a penalty of two strokes, as you said, you can go back on a line, keeping more, keeping that uh, point where the ball lay uh, between you and the hole and going back as far as you'd like. Uh, it, it, again, it cost you two penalty strokes. But, um, yeah, a unique rule that I think will help, uh, you know, especially casual players who may have a tough time um, in, in, in a bunker um, or uh, find that they've hit three or four shots in there and just they're like, I'm done. I'm, 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 I want to get out. Um, now, now they do have an option under the rules uh, to do just that. If you need to drop a ball for whatever reason, you now have to drop it from your knees, uh, it, uh, which is um, a change from what's currently uh, the case, which is shoulder height. Um, that's simple enough. My question is, what happens if you drop it from the old height? Is that a penalty now? Yeah, we've gotten a few questions about that. Well, is it knee height and anything above knee height? No, it's actually at knee height. So you have to drop a ball at any time when you're proceeding under the rules at knee height. If you dropped it at shoulder height, uh, you know we would let you uh, try again if you caught yourself in time. Um, if you, you know, if you if you didn't catch yourself in time and played a stroke, there'd be a penalty associated with that. Um, but yeah, it's at knee height. Uh, at, we had a proposed change that was at, from any height, um, but where we settled on was was the knee height drop. So basically, because this is going to be fascinating, if, if, and I, I wonder just, and, and this is just me, the PGA Tour fan, I wonder if we're going to get guys calling officials over more to, to ensure they drop from knee height, because if you drop from shoulder height and you don't catch it in time, as soon as you play that first stroke, it's a penalty. This is a big deal um, for guys who are used to, you know, for the guys who know the rules and take a lot of normal drops but on their own. Tiger, for example, at the Hero a couple weeks ago took a water drop on his own, you know, had no use for an official, just, you know, dropped it. He knew exactly what he was doing. It was a completely legal drop. Um, if you drop from the wrong height and nobody catches it, 
you're in trouble. This is going to be fascinating to see how it plays out. It is, and it, this is the one change where uh, you you do need to know this change well, uh, both dropping from knee height and then also that when you drop from knee height, that ball needs to come to rest in, in what we're now calling a relief area. Um, same, same measurements as before, one club length or two club length, depending on what rule you're proceeding under. Um, but many of the rules, Jeremy, that it, it are, are set up in such a way, the changes, I should say, are set up in a way where if you don't really know them well, you'll sort of start to pick up on them uh, as you move along. And if you continue to play golf the way you do now, you're not going to be in trouble. But this is one change where, um, you know, I'm glad you asked the question. This is probably the change we're trying to, excuse me, harp on the most. Because if you don't, if you do proceed how you do today and drop from shoulder height, there is going to come, uh, you know, there there could be a penalty that comes along with that. So yeah. Uh, you know, continue to yeah. You know, I, I will continue to spread the word about this one in particular um, to make sure people do their best. And I think you might get a few situations uh, where people just sort of forget, or maybe in, in a you know they're angry after the shot they just made, and, and they just kind of quickly proceed into the rule and they drop from shoulder height. Again, I would harp on the fact that if you do catch yourself right after you do that, you can always just re-drop from the correct the correct height uh, from your knee. We got five minutes left with Joe Foley uh, from the USGA, which means we got five minutes to talk about everything else that's in the rule book, uh, Joe. So, how do you want to cover like 4,000 rule changes in five minutes? No, just kidding. Um, um, let's talk about balls moving on the green because this is one that, that viewers will notice and those who are in windswept locations may notice. Although, I think for them, their, their green speeds are not at the height where this is going to have an effect. If I understand it correctly, we're done with trying to figure out why your ball moved. Were you the one who moved the ball? Were you, was it wind? Was it you? Was it green speeds? Was it, you know, the way you stepped in? If your ball moves in the green, you just put it right back Is with, with, with no penalty. Do I have that correct? You do. There's really two key changes here, and and one is a change that the, the game has already started to see actually um, in play because it's been in play through the use of a local rule. Basically, if if you know, and that and that's been in play for about a year and a half, two years, um, that's now going to be a part of the rule of uh, the rules of golf. And that, and the rule I'm speaking about specifically is, as you said, if you accidentally move your ball on the putting green, look, you've not gained an advantage. Let's just put it back, uh, no penalty, and keep playing. Um, Again, that was a rule of golf, um, a local rule, uh, now to be in, in the rules of golf. The other change here uh, is if you've you know, you know, marked and lifted your ball um, on the putting green uh, and you replace the ball, if it moves for, for any reason, um, it, it owns that spot, quote unquote. So you're going to put the ball back to where it was before when you lifted and marked it, uh, and and play from there. Um, we've saw we've seen some instances in the past, some high-profile instances where you know players mark their ball, lifted, put it back on the green, and it's rolled off the green or it's rolled into a water hazard. And, and now we're basically saying you own that spot, put the ball back, you got it there. Um, let's let you play from that spot. No penalty. Keep on playing. Talking with Joe Fuller from the USGA. Uh, this is, I think, something that um, no recreational golfer is ever going to do, but I can see a ton of club championships doing this, amateurs, high school golf, college golf, uh, especially when there's no officials. The local rule for OB or a lost ball used to be the walk of shame, walking back to the tee. Now you can drop it with a two-shot penalty, and I believe you can go out into the fairway. 
Yes, you can. And I'm, gl I'm glad you brought this up. This is one rule we're trying to, to harp on a lot as we get closer closer to the to the um, effective date of the new rules, January 1st, 2019. Basically, here you'll have this option to really estimate where your ball was was lost, um, you know, outside of a, a penalty area. So if it's uh, in you know in the in the trees, or even if it's close to the fairway, and you just for some reason haven't found it, um, you you estimate where you lost it. Um, or if, it, if you've hit a ball out of bounds, you're going to estimate where it went out of bounds. Basically, you'll have the option to drop sort of in that area, um, or, you know, you could walk over to the fairway, uh, drop, you know, from, you get your nearest fairway reference point, we're calling it. You got two club lengths from there, and you can drop in the fairway. Now, it's penal. It's, it's a penalty of two strokes, uh, but you do have this option to keep moving forward instead of having, as you said, go back to the tee uh, and deal with players who are sitting there on the tee wondering why the heck you're coming back and you didn't you know, play a provisional ball or hit another ball. So um, it, it is a local rule, so it's not going to be in effect for, for every competition. You want to make sure you're checking with your course or your committee to make sure you, you know that's in play before you use it but we think it'll be pretty helpful for um, for a good a, a good number of people who play the game we got 60 seconds with joe foley so let's uh, so so this is gonna be the the quickest rule change discussion in the history of golf you can move loose impediments in the bunker uh this i believe means now rocks stones leaves anything else that ends up in a bunker near your ball you can get it the heck out of there and have a clean shot a clean shot at your ball correct Correct. Yeah. I mean, look, the challenge we we, we uh, want to um, you know stress it in a bunker is the, is the challenge of playing from the sand, right? We're not asking you to sort of navigate all these other things that could be in the sand and probably are in the sand for for um, you know uh, for not the right reason, or they you know the, the bunker maybe not. Um, is not as maintained as it, uh, it it could be, right? So let's let a player move that stuff. Let's focus on the challenge of just playing from the sand. Um, so now, no penalty for moving those things. You can go ahead and move those before you play stroke. Just make sure your ball doesn't move um, when you're moving uh, those items. And then final thing, is there anything else that, that you want to point out that the USGA is trying to push here, harp on, anything? Uh, this is basically a free paid advertisement for you guys. Um, uh, um, uh, um, anything you you want to just mention here that I haven't already? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for the free advertisement. I'll take advantage of it. So <laughs> I would say just the, the last thing I would say is there's really three ways to continue to get uh, involved and stay involved uh, and, and really learn these new changes. I would say... Uh, get a copy of the Players Edition. Um, it's it's the first of its kind. We've never done it. Uh, we've never written a publication where it's focused on you as the golfer and, and focuses on the rules that are most important to golfers. Um, so it leaves a lot of the technical stuff and complex stuff out of the rules. You have to go to the full rules of golf to find that. So I would say order a copy of the, the Players Edition. You can do so on usjpublications.com. Um, I would also encourage you to download um, the, the rules app. Um, free download uh, you know, in your app store. Uh, you have access to all all the publications, a lot of video, visual elements to, the, to this new app, um, search, enhanced search uh, functionality, so you should be able to get your answers quicker uh, to, to any questions you have on the Rules of Golf. So again, a Rules of Golf app uh, on your mobile device. Um, and then lastly, I would just, I would say visit USGA.org. There's a ton of videos, a ton of infographics on all these major changes. If you spend, you know, 20, 30 minutes on USGA.org, um, you will really, uh, you'll, you'll have about 
85, 90, 95 percent of the changes um, right there in front of you. And, and you know, if you spend some time there, um, you'll, you'll be dangerous. You'll, you'll have what you need to know going into next year. So uh, I would say those are the three ways. Get a book, download the app, and, and visit our website. Speak, to learn more. Speaking of speaking of that player's edition, um, if you are a USGA member, it should have come in the mail last week. So check your mail because it, 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 it's probably there. Also, I highly recommend that that uh, page on USGA.org um, because there's a whole bunch of stuff that involves if you touch your ball during, uh, if you touch your ball during a ball search, if, if equipment gets damaged during a round, if, if, if a ball strikes your caddy, if you are a player, a competitive player who is listening to this, you need to go there because all this stuff that we left out because this audience is not a competitive audience, so to speak, go there because there's a whole bunch of rule changes involving competition that you should look at um, before that. Joe Foley uh, from the USGA, the project manager for the USGA's Rules Modernization Initiative. I can't thank you enough for your time this morning, and I hope we've helped uh, all the people out there. Yeah, it was great to be here, Jeremy. I, lo- I loved it. I um, appreciate you sharing this news. We have a, a ton to continue to share, um, and we'll do just that. So appreciate the time. And thank you all for listening to this edition of Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling.